Thank you for joining us on the Restoration Church Podcast. Today's episode is called Prayer, Part 2, The Lord's Prayer, from Matthew 6, verses 5 through 15. We hope you enjoy. Have you ever been sitting there while your wife was on Facebook and you were maybe on Facebook or watching TV? Um, some of you guys do that, right? You're sitting on your couch, your wife's got the iPhone or the iPad or the computer, and she's on Facebook, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe she's watching TV and you've, you've got Facebook, you've got the Instagram open, whatever it is. And one of you looks at the other and you're just like, this is the most hilarious thing you're ever going to see in your life. And it's this picture or something, a meme. And they show it to you, and they're waiting. <laughs> and you just don't get it. You're just like, I, I, I don't understand why that's funny. And, and they're, they're disappointed in you. They're frustrated with you. They're expecting you just to fall on the floor laughing. And you, I laughed on the inside, honey, I promise. It's just, there's just nothing funny about the meme that they've showed you. Well, that happens a lot in life where we look at what somebody else thinks is funny. And we go, I, I just don't get that. That didn't really engage me. Uh, I don't understand why you think that's funny. I think a lot of times church is very similar. Some people get church, people into church, they love church. Uh, and some people are like, I don't understand why anybody would spend their time doing that. Church bores me. Uh, why, why, I, mean, I remember being a kid, sitting in, honestly, sitting in the back, you know, going, okay, let me draw something. Okay, I'm done drawing something. Now let me look up at the roof and count how many dots. I wonder what I can make out of those dots. I think I see Mickey Mouse in those dots, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, different people have a different thing. Uh, prayer is that way for a lot of people. Um, a lot of believers who follow Jesus are like, man, I pray, I get up, and I, I see God's face, and I am excited about praying, and I, I mean, I'll start, and I'll be there for hours, and then I'm like, i got to get up. I hate that I have to get up and leave my prayer time and go do real life. It's horrible. And then there were some other people like, I don't understand why it's so exciting. I fall asleep when I'm praying. A friend of mine um, who I uh, went to college with, we were one night. Uh, we we were super spiritual preacher boys, you know, and uh, we, we were super spiritual. So we were going to one night meet at my house, uh, new, newlyweds, both of us. We were going to meet at my house and spend all night long praying, this guy, this friend of mine. We we're going to pray that God would move. We we're going to spend all night long. Started about midnight. We'd, we'd been fasting a little bit. Started about midnight praying. About 1 o'clock, 1.30 in the morning, only an hour, an hour and a half later, I wake up with, with a puddle of drool, just like all up over my face. And now I, I pause there for just a second because I think, oh no, this guy's going to beat me. He's much more spiritual than I am, obviously, because I have fallen asleep. There's, a, there's drool. I'm like drowning in it over here. And I, I'm so nervous because this is like one of my spiritual hero friends kind of guy. And I'm, I'm going to look up and he's just going to be like weeping before God and praying. And, and, and a light's going to be shining down out of heaven. And I look up and he's the same way, just snoring, you know, just totally asleep. Um, bored out of his mind in, in his prayer. And I, I go, man, uh, here I am, this guy who loves Jesus. I want to I serve him. I want to know him. I want to pursue him. And, man, pray all night long. It's, it's going to put me to sleep. So a lot of times we think of prayer, maybe it bores us to death. Maybe, maybe you walk in and you're like, why in the world would somebody spend their time praying? Why in the world would somebody spend their time talking to God? Or maybe you're one of those people like me. You find that when you try to pray, uh, you end up falling asleep. What we're going to find in a passage of Scripture that's going to help us learn and understand a little bit about how we, how we get past that, how we dig into that. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 today. And we've already looked at it a little bit as a, as a group uh, together last week. And what we discovered as we looked at the whole chapter, we looked at, we looked at the chapter, we got in our hot air, hot, hot air balloon and went up really high and looked down on the chapter. And we, uh, we discovered some things about the whole chapter that are very important. This is a, a section of the Sermon on the Mount. It's kind of the, the chief section or the center section of the sermon. It's, it's, in some ways you might say it's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. 
And it's all about prayer throughout. And what we discovered when we looked at this, this passage from that 10,000-foot 10, view was is that prayer is not to just get stuff from God. Though sometimes we do get stuff from God, and God wants to give us stuff. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But that's not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is not to get things from God. It's to have intimacy with God, to get close to God, to get to know God. We said it this way. We said that God doesn't want to hear your insights. He wants to have your insides. God wants to hear what's going on in your heart deep down in the roots of who you are. And that happens as we get to know who God is. Um, we learned that um, the image that we have of God impacts the intimacy we have with God. That once we start to see God as Father, as our dad, who loves us and who can't wait for us to run and jump into his lap and to give us great gifts, then it changes the way we pray. It changes the way we approach God. It leads us into a genuinely intimate friendship with the infinite, sovereign, almighty, omnipotent God of the universe. And that's what he invites us into. So keep that in mind as we look at uh, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at a different part of Matthew chapter 6 today. We're going to kind of bra uh, bracket back up a little bit and look at a few details uh, about how we pull that off. So I hope today's passage and hope today's study is very practical for you. And we're going to have a lot of practicality around it. Because Jesus, in uh, the earlier parts of chapter 6, he's going to tell us how we pray in such a way that helps us have intimacy. Look in chapter 6, uh, verse number 5. It says, Whenever you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites. So whenever you pray, he's digging into prayer because they love to stand, uh, they love to pray by standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you, they've got their reward. In other words, the whole reason of praying is to get praise of men. And we see this sometimes in our lives, right? The person who stands up to pray and they pray all these big words and these fancy prayers. They're hoping to get a good amen or a good attaboy or a boy that sure was a nice prayer, Pastor Lance. And uh, we see that, right? We see it in other ways too, like. Let me tell you about my prayer life. How much did you pray this week, brother? I prayed 12 hours. I prayed it. I got up at 4 in the morning to pray. How did, you, how did you do in your prayer life? Like This comes out in a lot of different ways in our spiritual journey, doesn't it? People whose spiritual life, their prayer life, really is more about checking off a religious checklist, making sure they appear religious, look religious, instead of connecting intimately with God. And Jesus is challenging that kind of prayer life. He goes on to say in verse 6, he says, But when you pray, disciples, remember he's talking to disciples, those of you who follow Jesus or maybe you're trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, when you pray, go into your private room. Go into a private place. So think about what happens in our world when we need to go into a private room. Uh, think about how, what happens in your family. You know, out, out in front of everybody, you kind of say what needs to be said. You, you filter your words. You tell the stories that make yourself look good. Uh, you use good manners, but you go inside your house, shut the door, things change a little bit, right? And maybe that's okay. Uh, you might wear a different kind of clothing inside your house. Uh, you might be in your umbros um, or, or, or whatnot there in your house. Um, you, you, might be, you might wear those tattered shoes that nobody gets to see you in, those like house shoes, the, the, uh, the, uh, the house shoes with like a camel on it that's got missing an eye. Uh, you, might, you might change shoes, and, and you might have a different set of manners. Uh, my, my children love to uh, get on to me in my house for my propensity to do chemical reactions inside my body and present those to the world um, as, as, as a family. And I'm, 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 I tell them all the time, like, I'm in my house. I can do whatever I want to in my house. Uh, but there are times, honestly, where my wife and I, we go into our room and we shut the door and we lock the door. And we have conversations that not even my children are allowed to hear. 
And Jesus is saying, get to that deeper level of intimacy in your prayer life. Go into your private room uh, in verse 6. Uh, but when you, uh, we'll pick up in verse number 7. When you pray, don't be a babble like the idolaters. And here's the big command. This is where we're going to dig in and, and really focus in for a minute here. When you pray, so what's happened so far in verse number 5, he says you're going to be praying. Don't do it like the hypocrites, but do it in this intimate way, in this, in this, in this area of privacy and secrecy in your life. And then he gives us a little bit more specific instructions in verse number 7. He says, while you're doing that, this is a description of how we do that. And it's a big command, like an important command. He's like, when you do that, don't babble like the idolaters. And this word uh, is an interesting word in the Greek. And I'm actually going to say the Greek word. I try to avoid that, but it's an important one. It's battlegeo. Or battle lego, battle lego, if you want to say that. So it's battle lego. I mean, if you can't remember that Greek word, there's never been a Greek word you could ever remember. Like battle lego. I mean, you, have a, you probably have a set of legos at home if you have kids. They're called like battle lego. So just think about that way. And it's a case of onomatopoeia. Did I say that right? Yeah. Woo! I've been trying. I practiced that like seven times. Um, onomatopoeia, which means that the word sounds like what it represents. Um, in Spider-Man or in Batman in the movies, what happens when, the, when Batman rounds and hits somebody on the side of the face? What happens? Pow! Or bam. bam! Thank you. You're good at this. I'm glad you sat right here. Yeah, this is awesome. So it's that, it's that thing of a word that sounds like what it means. And, and, and the idea is battle. Or we might say babble, right? Battle, 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 battle. And it's someone when they pray, they just speak without meaning or without intention. The words don't mean anything. Um, this can look a lot of different ways. It may be a vocal pause in your prayer. So as you pray, think about what do you pray. Do you have a lot of vocal pauses that fill your prayers? Words that don't really mean anything. It could mean that you say prayers in a very religious way. You're just praying the prayer that's supposed to be prayed. So you check off a few things. Okay, I'm going to make sure I go through my acrostic to guide my prayer. Or maybe just make sure I pray through my list because I'm supposed to pray through my list. There are a lot of different ways to pray empty prayers. Um, the way I look at it most is, is actually through giving a card. Has anybody ever given anyone a Hallmark card before? Anybody? Yeah? That's happened? I'm, I've done that. So you get two different kind of Hallmark cards in life, right? Sometimes you get a Hallmark card and you open it up and on the inside there is a little trite saying that somebody in a cubicle in Kalamazoo, Michigan, I assume that's where this is, I really have no idea, um, wrote some sort of poem or a little trite phrase and at the bottom of it it says, this is the way I do it, love Lance, right? You've gotten cards like that, right? Happy birthday, you're awesome. Lordy, lordy, guess who's 40? Love, Lance, right? Hallmark. You let them share the sentiment. And what this is saying is that a lot of us stop with our prayer lives that way. We just pray little trite things. We pray what we're used to praying. We pray the same thing over and over. We pray what sounds good. We say, pray what sounds spiritual. But we stop prayer at that level. Now, there's another kind of card we receive, right? A Hallmark card, sometimes you open it up, and yes, yeah, got the little Lord of the Lord, and guess who's 40 kind of thing, which is coming up pretty quickly for me, unfortunately. But it's on there, but then, like, there's pages. Like, sometimes I'll get one from my mom. My mom's here, so I get to say this. And I'll get them from my mom, and it'll start up at the top left-hand corner, you know? And it'll just, like, keep going and going, and it'll, like, fill up the next page, and then you flip it over on the back, and there's, like, more. There's more stuff on the back. Sometimes I'm expecting like staples, like paper to be stapled onto the back, like three or four sheets, an essay, right? Because you know when you get a card like that, there's something significant. Somebody's put thought into it. 
Every word means something. Those are the kind of cards, the, other, the first card, the Hallmark cards, those are the kind of cards you look at them, awesome, that was nice, thank you for spending $8 on a card, trash. I mean, that's what I do. You may keep them for a week, you may keep them for a month, but eventually they go in the trash, right? But man, if somebody takes time and they construct their, their letter to you, their letter of love, and they've thought about every word, and they've given you a message from their heart, a heartfelt message, you hold on to that card. Jesus is challenging us to move from heartfelt prayers, from Hallmark prayers to heartfelt prayers. <laughs> That's the challenge. Jesus is saying that your prayers life, your prayers shouldn't be boring. Jesus is saying it's wrong to pray boring prayers. For you to pray, God's like, I can imagine if we got some of the like internal background, this is the, the result of the Spirit giving us God's Word is what we believe about the Scripture here at Restoration Church. Sometimes I wonder if you couldn't get like the behind-the-scenes footage, like in a DVD, would you be like, God telling Jesus, the Father telling Jesus, can you tell him to stop praying so many boring prayers? This stuff is driving me crazy because how much do we throw up at God that's just trite, meaningless, let me check it off of my checklist prayers? Versus taking time to make sure every word, every thought is intentional, passionate, from our heart, from our deepest being, heartfelt prayers. Moving from hallmark to heartfelt in our prayers. So how do we do that? Well, there are several practical steps or guidelines that we can look at together to understand what does that look like. And we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer because at the end of, of this passage we're looking at or this paragraph we've been looking at, it says verse 8, it says, Don't be like them. Because your Father knows the things you need. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like those who pray these Hallmark prayers. God already knows what you need. The point isn't letting Him know what you need. Don't give Him your, big, your grocery list. That's not the point. The point is intimacy. Verse 9. Therefore, because of everything I just told you about prayer, because of that, because of how important it is to pray with intimacy, because of how important it is to move from trite, meaningless, throwing up words to God prayers to genuine heartfelt prayers, because of that, pray like this. And he introduces us a very, very popular passage of Scripture, the Lord's Prayer. So what are some of the principles that we can go through to understand how we get to this place to where our prayers um, are genuine, that they're not boring prayers? The first thing is, is when you pray, start by stopping. Now, I didn't want to go back to the passage of Scripture that we've already read through, but because I think it's important. It says that when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. I think it's a challenge for us to move from prayer being just something we do all the time. Now, granted, prayer should be just something we do all the time. We should pray without ceasing, the Bible says. We should have a conversation with God everywhere we go. But there is something to pausing and giving God very specific time during your life. How can prayer transfer from being just what you do on the way to work? Because you, what do you do? If you're like me, you're on the way to work, you're praying, Father... I'm going to have a great day today. God, I need you today. God, help me be, help me be a, a, a good leader. Help me be nice to people. God, help me love people. God, help me glorify you. Hey, man, you cut me off over there. You stop it. Oh, um, okay, Lord, how are you? God, uh, God um, help me be kind and gracious. You stop it over there. You know, that's the way half, half time it goes, right? Uh, that's the way I pray when I go to work. Just screaming, hollering at people half the time, praying the other. I'm sorry I scared half of you to death. I do apologize. <laughs> I used to preach like that the whole time. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, that's, that's how I pray going to work. Or, or you, you try to pray. I'm going to pray. I pray at night when I go to bed. So I'm going to lay down. I'm going I'm to lay down in my most comfortable clothes I can imagine. <laughs> Maybe. Um, 
I'm going to get into a comfortable bed with some like comfy sheets and put my head on a soft pillow. I'm going to turn out all the lights and now I'm going to talk to you, Jesus. I'm asleep in like three minutes every single time. I've learned, this is bad, this is how unspiritual I am. I've learned that if I want to go to sleep, I pray. That's, that's, that's the truth, right? Jesus is saying, don't just I mean, pray all the time. Pray everywhere you go. Pray, pray as a lifestyle. Pray as a conversation. But Jesus says, if you want to have an intimate time with me, pray. Pause. Give me a place. Give me a time. It's the same thing you need in your relationship with your spouse, right? Yeah, you need to have intimacy all the time. You need to joke with each other. You need to talk with each other. You need to communicate about life all the time. But your spouse, your wife, husbands, needs you to pull time away that's just for her. Right? She knows that. You know that. You've heard that. If you haven't, you might want to check how you're communicating with your wife because she's thinking it. Give God the same thing. Pause. Give God some time. The second, the second step. And I've got a bunch. By the way, there's probably a hundred in here. I'm not going to give you everything that's in here. That, that you, we could come up with a hundred as we came up with this list. So I'm just going to keep going until I run out of time. I promise. <laughs> the second one is pray, pray the gospel to yourself first. Look at what Jesus says in that, uh, the very first words of this prayer. Our Father in heaven. And we've read this prayer so many different times that when we, Jesus tells us to refer to God as Father, it's no big deal. But did you know this was very uncommon? Not even just in the, in the Jewish culture, but even in the Old Testament view. For, for Jesus to tell people to call God Father, and later we're going to understand, Paul's going to help us understand that means call God Daddy. That was mind-blowing. Jesus was saying... That you need to understand that you are God's son and he is your father. He is your dad. Preach the gospel to yourself before you start praying. Now remember what, how the Sermon on the Mount kind of got launched into. So if you've been here the whole time, you've heard all this. If you haven't, let me catch you up. This is like the, you know, the part of the TV show where they're like previously on Lost. That's what we're going to do for a second. <laughs> so at the end of chapter, uh, chapter 4... Sorry, at the end of chapter 3, Jesus is getting baptized. And the father looks down and says, what does he say? He says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. One of the most powerful statements in all of Scripture. And then Jesus immediately goes into the wilderness. He's tempted by Satan. For how long? That's right, 40 days, 40 nights. And during that time, the whole temptation is about one main thing. And that is, you're not the son. You're not the son. And what we learned in that as we were looking at it is that your who determines your do. And what we found out and we, as we said that is if we understand who God has made us, who God has made us to be, it will affect how we live out in worship and obedience to God. And then we get to the end of that temptation passage in, in chapter 4 where Jesus is facing Satan and he does, Matthew does something interesting, interesting to teach us that Jesus wasn't just facing Satan himself. He was facing Satan on behalf of us so that he could give us the victory he won, that he was standing in our place so that God no longer just looks at Christ and says, you are my beloved son and who I'm, I'm well pleased. God looks at you and me, and he says, you are my beloved son, my beloved son, daughter in whom I am well pleased. And that's the gospel. As you begin praying in your life, begin with a foundation of a gospel identity. What is a gospel identity? It's who you are and why you are that person. Who are you? You are before God because of Jesus as righteous as God. 
God doesn't look at you and count up all your rights and all your wrongs and weigh them and say, did you do pretty well? Mm, you did okay. You're good. Check. God either looks at you and sees condemned sinner or he looks at you and sees Jesus. One of the two. There is no middle ground. There is no gray area. The invitation of the gospel is to invite you into that position of righteousness that God provides you. That's who you are. You are as righteous as God before the Father. And Jesus gives that to you, that righteousness, that freedom, that gift freely. Start your prayer in that place. That's who you are. Why are you that person? You are that person not because of yourself, not because of anything that you do, not because of being religious, not because you didn't cuss, not because you didn't watch that movie, not because you didn't because not because you treated your wife away or your husband away or not because of anything you've ever done or ever will do. You are only that way. You are only righteous before God because of the gracious gift of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's your only hope. That's the only reason you can stand before the Father and call him dad because of what Jesus has done. Number three, pray to make God famous. Look at what it says next. It says, your name be honored as holy. Holy your name, God. It's literally what it would say. It's holy your name. Make your name holy. What does the word holy mean? It means to, to make separate, to make distinct, to make unique. What, what Jesus is really saying here, his first prayer that he's telling us is, get us a, the prayer he's asking us to pray is God, make yourself well-known. Make your reputation amazing and unique. We were at Five Guys last night. Any, anybody been in Five Guys before? What's all along their walls? I'll summarize it for you. Five Guys is awesome. That's what's all along their walls, right? It's like every little article that you can see and quote you can see about how amazing Five Guys is. I would also be willing to put a quote on the wall of Five Guys that says, Five Guys is awesome. Just want to throw that out there. Um, they are praising themselves, right? They want their name to be glorified and holy. Jesus is saying when you pray, the first thing in your mind you need to think about is how can we make the name of God uniquely, significantly, infinitely lifted up and praised and glorified. God's saying, hey, the whole point of this praying thing is to make me look good. And it's okay because He is good. Make me look good when you pray. Make me look famous. Be able to tell stories about the God who answers prayers. Be able to tell stories about the God who paid your bill when your bill couldn't be paid. Be able to tell stories about how God rescued a marriage that was not almost broken, not on the precipice of being broken, but already broken. Be able to tell stories about how God healed people who were sick. Be able to tell stories about somebody who's going through catastrophic psychological distresses, find restoration and healing. God said, bring it on. I can do this. Your prayers should challenge, should, as we've heard before, make God sweat because they're giving God an opportunity to show just how glorious and how great He is. Number four. Actually, I'm going to give you number four, but we're just going to burn right through it. Pray prayers bigger than yourself. I'll just give you the footnotes version of it or the cliff notes version. Pray prayers bigger than yourself. Jesus says, pray that his kingdom would come. Um, the question has been asked by C.S. Lewis. So you've heard this quote probably before. Is if you're ever, God answered every single prayer that you prayed in the last day or the last week, what, side out, what outside of your life would change? Maybe you would get a bill paid. Awesome. Maybe your marriage would be better. Great. But who else will be affected by your prayer life? 
Pray for big things. Pray for kingdom things. Number, number five, pray with the right filter. Uh, we see it right here. It says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We hear that prayer prayed again. Do you guys remember where we hear it prayed next? It's in another wilderness. Jesus is facing the tempter again. He says, not my will be done, but your will be done. This is the filter that we start with in prayer. It's the prayer of God, I'm going to ask for some things. And God, I'm going to ask for some crazy things. But let me start at this main important thing. It's not about my will. It's about your will. That's the first filter. So pray prayers big. Pray prayers with the right filters, number five. Number six, pray small prayers. Look at what it says here in verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Pray small prayers. How many of you have spent time in the last week praying that God would give you breath to breathe? How many of you have asked God to help you wake up in the morning? How many of you have prayed that God would ask you, God, please give me enough gas to fill my tank? And you might say, well, why would I pray that? I've got a job. I've got a budget. You know, why would I pray that? How many of you have prayed, God, help me, help me have food for breakfast this morning? I don't need to pray that. I've got groceries already. God, give me a meal today for lunch, please. God is challenging us in this passage. Jesus challenges us to pray small prayers. How might it impact our dependency on God if we begin to pray for all the little things that we need in our life? <clears throat> Not only that, how might it impact our gratitude when we receive them? I think that might change the way we do the, the blessing. Right? Most of us do the blessing so we look spiritual. Let's be honest. Uh, it drives me crazy. Just going to be a little Lance pet me a moment. People around a table in a public setting and by themselves, maybe this is, somebody's going to rebuke me after this when I'm starting to say it. Maybe I shouldn't say it. I'm still going to say it because if I'm wrong, guess what? I'm not perfect either. You know, I'm, I'm some struggles myself. But it drives me nuts, just to be honest. Somebody sit at a table by themselves and they'll bow their heads to pray. I guess I'm like, why are you bowing your head? Are you trying to look spiritual? God can hear you with your eyes open. God can hear you if you're just talking out loud. I, I don't know. I just don't get it. Because I think sometimes we just pray the blessing to look spiritual. But I wonder would it change that if we, were, if, if, if we had prayed four or five during the times during the day, God, please give my family food to eat for dinner tonight. What would it be like when we sat down at our table and said, God, you gave us a meal. Thank you for this meal. Thank you for this breath. Thank you for waking me up. Pray for the little things. If I lost some of you, that on my nutty, my nutty sentiments, forgive me. Number, number seven, thank you. So pray from your stomach, right? Jesus is giving us this idea of praying for bread. I think there's a lot to that. In this whole passage, he's mentioned praying at hunger as an analogy for our thirst for righteousness multiple times. He started that with the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He gives it to us here and then he gives it to us at the end of chapter se- uh, end of this section where he says, Ask and you shall receive. Uh, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Um, who, what, what crazy father, if a son asks for bread, is going to give him a stone? So over and over and over, God, Jesus uses this analogy of hungering for bread to teach us what it means to pray. And in this passage, it's something very similar to what we talked about last week. It's that hunger, that deep desire for food. I mean, if you're hungry, what else is on your mind? I don't know about you guys, but not much else. We've talked about before, our family gets hangry if we hadn't had anything to eat. Right? We get hungry, and it's all that's on our mind. We don't need to have a conversation. We don't need to talk about anything. The last thing we need to do is try to make some family decisions because we're hungry, and we're hangry, and we need to go get some food. 
Right? Pray that way. Pray from the deepest, broken, hurting parts of your life. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. The Spirit is putting inside of you those hurts and those desires and those cravings from God Himself. And that's what it means to pray in the Spirit. God's Spirit inside of us crying out to God. Number eight, I'm going to footnote this one really quick. Pray drip repairs. This, this passage talks about how important it is to have our prayers dripping with grace. Us receiving grace, but also living out grace. Us being saturated with grace in our life. Not to, not to seek grace before God until we're treating others with grace. Be so dominated by grace worldview and grace thinking that we pray with grace, we live with grace, that grace dominates and meets who we are, that we just drip with grace. Number t- nine, pray real life prayers. I'm going to show you the last two and then we're going to be done. Actually, I'm going to show you number 10, number 11, number 12. And number, that's, number 10 is pray with active faith. Number 11, pray with passive faith. I know I'm going fast. You'll have my notes later if you want them to fill them in. Number 12, pray private prayers together. Let's go back to number 10 and number 11. So number 10, pray with active faith. Number 11, pray passive faith. Let me show you what that means and and then we're done. So in this passage, there are a bunch of commands. Let me show them to you. Let's look at your Bible if you have it. Verse number number 9. Your name be holy. That's an imperative verb. Number 10, your kingdom come. That's an imperative verb. What's an imperative, by the way? It's another way to say what? Command, exactly. So your name be honored. That's how, that's how we're supposed to pray. That's so interesting to me. So your name be honored, imperative. Number 10, an imperative. Your will be done, an imperative. Number 11, give us today our daily bread, an imperative. Number 12, forgive us our debts as we forgive of given our debtors, an imperative, a command. All of them up until verse number 13 are imperatives. They're commands. And then we get to verse number 13, and it's a different, uh, different verb or different kind of verb. It says, do not bring us into temptation, which is literally a subjunctive verb. Now, what in the world does that mean? No, here we go, Lance. Here we go again. Here's what it means. It's all you need to know. All, all the first ones are imperatives. They're commands. God do this. God do this. God do this. God do this. We get to the last one, and it's a subjunctive verb, which means it doesn't speak to a command. It speaks to something that's potential. What does that mean? It means we need to pray with active faith and passive faith. When we know that God has promised us something, because the Word of God proclaims it, pray it with such confidence that you can stand before the Holy God of Heaven and demand that it be done. That's what Jesus says. Command it. When you don't, be willing to pray that the potential might happen. Pray with passive faith. God, I know who you are, and I know that you love me. Here's what I want you to do. But I don't know for sure if it's what you want me to do or not. I don't know if it's what you want to do or not. So I just surrender it to you. It's passive faith. So number 10, pray with active faith. Number 11, pray with passive faith. Number 12, pray private prayers together. So as we wrap up, here's the last challenge Jesus gives us. It's kind of funny when you think about it. He starts out this prayer by going, let's pray privately. Go into your room and have your private prayers. But did you notice every single time he tells us what to pray, he's telling us to say something like, Our Father in heaven, help us, give us our daily bread. Do not lead us into temptation. Jesus is saying for us to reach full potential in our prayer, the private prayer that he's been describing all throughout this this Lord's prayer needs to explode and spread into praying with other believers. 
I think the challenge is this. I think the challenge is, is that for you to pray as God wants you to pray, it has to start in that pause, in that space. But you need people in your life. If you're a guy, you need two or three guys. If you're a girl, you need two or three girls who you can get with and you can pray real prayers with. God, please help me this week. I've yelled at my wife. I've yelled at my kids. I don't know how many times I said a curse word and yelling and freaking out. God, I don't know how many. God, I need your help. God, I'm, I'm broken and I'm hurting. I need you. God, help me with my, my sexual, sexual lust. God, help me stop looking at that thing on the computer. I did it again this week, God. God, help me, God, help me with those, those desires I know are not pleasing to you. I know they'll honor you. God, help me. God, I keep spending more money than I should. God, I'm, I'm in this sin that I shouldn't be in. God, help me. Those prayers that are so private that we wouldn't want anybody to hear, invite somebody into your life to hear them. Somebody needs to hear those prayers with you other than just God. I think that's what Jesus is challenging us. Jesus is challenging us in that moment to live in depth with other believers. And that's what we believe at Restoration Church is how we become fully functional disciples. Disciples who follow Jesus in fullness. It's also how Jesus said we pray with intimacy. With that, let's pray and um, spend some time worshiping and discussing Jesus. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Restoration Church Podcast. To learn more about our church or to hear other messages in this series, please visit us at www.restorationchurch.us.